Well, hello there, and welcome to episode number four of From the Pastor's Bookshelf. I am Ryan Bates, and I'm here with Jeremy Carmichael, and we are bringing you another book that we're really excited about. So the book that we're going to be talking about today is The Hole in Our Holiness. Go ahead and hold that up, Jeremy. Beautiful, beautiful, by Kevin D. Young, an author that we both really like. And uh, yeah, we're excited to jump into this book. So Kevin D. Young, it's, it's almost like a donut of holiness. There's a hole in it. And so we yeah. need to figure out how if we're going to If you like donuts, you'll like this book. Yeah, that's I, I do like donuts, <laughs> and so that's good. What if you don't like donuts? Will you still like the book? Yes. Good. Awesome. If you're godly. <laughs> if you're smart. <laughs> if you're smart. Awesome. Okay. Well, regardless of if you like holes in your donuts, uh, we do need to recognize the, uh, the, the, the danger of the hole in our holiness. So, Jeremy, why don't you talk a little bit about why we're doing this book now, um, and, and let's dive into what's it about. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the reason why we're doing this particular book right now is uh, I found it to be just an excellent book, uh, very helpful. It, it was a book that made me makes me want to uh, be more godly and to be more holy. And he does it in such just a balanced, uh, a rich, uh, scripturally rich way that I wanted to share it with everyone else. So, um, but yeah, the hole in our holiness. Well, what is the hole in our holiness? Uh, he actually introduces the book by uh, talking about how much he hates camping. He didn't grow up <laughs> camping um, and it just wasn't a thing that he did. He understood other people did it, um, but he thought, you know, why on your vacation time would you go and just live life a little harder then you need to. Amen. <laughs> why would you, then my wife, uh, you know, I think agrees with this as well. Why, why do you go and have a makeshift kitchen outside with outdoor potties and sleeping on the ground? You know, mm-hmm. why, why, what's fun about living a life that is harder than it has to be? And he said, I think a lot of people, um, uh, you know, think about holiness in that, in those terms. They don't think it's wrong. It's great for those people that are into it, but it's just not for me. And so he uh, recognizes that uh, uh, holiness has become something that sometimes people just uh, avoid um, uh, because they're not that into it. That's the whole. We're not that into it. We don't really think it's necessary. And so <clears throat> he uh, lists a number uh, right out of the chute in the, in the book, uh, a number of hindrances that uh, get in the way of our holiness. And we're not going to talk about all of them, but uh, a few that I thought would be important to talk about of what, what is it that stops us from wanting to uh, walk in holiness. And what is holiness? It's uh, the holiness, growing in our in, in holiness, growing in godliness has to do with not uh, focusing just only on what Christ has saved us from, which hallelujah, that is something to shout about, something to sing about, something that <clears throat> we, ought never, we, we, we want to rest in all our days. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the gro- growth in holiness is all about is not forgetting, not, uh, never forgetting what he saved us from, but also focus on what he saved us to, which is yeah. obedience. Matthew 28 talks about when you go and make disciples, what are, they, what are you to do? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. Yeah, everything God commands. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. and I think oftentimes, especially in um, more reformed circles or the reformed tradition, which De Young is is yeah. firmly in. Firmly in. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is part of why he's he's bringing up this book is that it's very common to focus, you know, to, to rightly focus, yes, yeah. on what God has saved us from. The focus on our justification, on the positional righteousness, and all these things that God has saved us from. Um, but there can often be kind of a de-emphasis on what God has saved us to because mm-hmm. we're so focused on what God has saved us from, and yeah. so. 
I think that De Young's trying to bring a little bit of balance here. And one uh, passage that I think <clears throat> does that really well, um, you mentioned the Great Commission. I think another one is Ephesians chapter 2, right, which really just lays out yeah. the gospel beautifully, yeah. talks about our position before Christ, we're dead in Christ, but God in his mercy has made us alive in Christ. And then, yeah. you know, Ephesians 2, 8, it's by grace we've been saved through faith in this not of ourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. But then immediately after, sometimes we'll stop there, but right after that, it says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's saved us, yes, amen, by his grace through faith only to do good works Mm -hmm. because we are God's workmanship and that's what he's crafting us into, right? And so even that word workmanship is the Greek word poema where we get the word poem. And so the the poetry that God is writing in our lives and in our hearts is a beautiful tapestry of good works that God has called for us to do and prepared for us to do. And so it's not us trying to force it, but it's God preparing us to do that. But I love that balance in um, Ephesians chapter two that talks about that. Yeah, because it so beautifully uh, articulates, again, what Christ has done and uh, how it's all for his glory. And and there's some things for us to do for his glory. And if we forget that, if we neglect that, man, we're missing out on a significant portion of what it means to be a follower of Christ and what it means to honor Him. Good. So what are some of those things that get in the way? What are some hindrances? Well, one of them uh, that he mentions is a misunderstanding of heaven. Hmm. Uh, a lot of times we reduce uh, God's love. We think of heaven as a place where God's love abides and is, uh, and, and is experienced in living color you know, completely, which I, yeah. it is. I think that's true. <laughs> um, but if we reduce... The idea of heaven and the idea of God's love to just unconditional, God's unconditional approval, um, we just focus on the fact that he, we, we think, well, he approves of me, he loves me no matter what, so why do I need to really try to be holy? What's yeah. the point? And uh, that limits our ability to really delve into uh, a holy lifestyle. Uh, also, uh, and I thought this was funny when he mentions the fact that uh, we mislabel holiness as just avoiding certain taboos. Hmm. You see this yeah. in youth groups a lot, right? Yeah. You know, don't don't do drugs, don't don't drink, and don't uh, don't have sex before marriage. Uh, so there's this uh, the, this or whatever. Don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do or whatever, <laughs> right? And uh, he said the problem with that, if you think of that as holiness, uh, either one or two things are going to happen. Either you don't agree with the list. <laughs> whatever it might be, because the one I listed is not the only one that's out there, but you might not agree with the list, or uh, it just seems too easy to uh, apprehend. It's too easy yeah. to do. Um, you know, he's, he mentioned in the book, he said, you know, I didn't, beer smelled bad when I was a teenager to me, and uh, uh, I didn't know where to get drugs if I could ever find it, and no girls wanted to get close to me, so I felt like I was doing pretty good in the way of holiness, but <laughs> I didn't feel holy. So obviously there's yeah. a lot greater depth to what it means to walk in holiness than just avoiding certain taboos. And so if you think of holiness as that, you're going to have no interest in it. It's going to be like, well, why would I want, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. He talks about how um, he says that checklist spirituality is very selective, mm-hmm. right? And so we sort of create our own checklists of things that, and often it might fall along certain personality lines, just things we're naturally good at sure. avoiding, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, you yeah. go, oh yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. And I like what, um, on the the point about um, heaven, I liked this quote that he, he gave, um, he said this, he said, if you dislike a holy God now, hmm. why would you want to be with him forever? If worship does not capture your attention at present, what makes you think it will thrill you in some heavenly future? 
If ungodliness is your delight here on earth, what will please you in heaven when all is clean and pure? You would not be happy there if you are not holy here. And I thought especially that last line was just very, very important, especially as um, we talk about kind of the intersection of holiness and joy, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes I think we view holiness as um, a very kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, just staying away from bad things, right? And so if we reduce holiness down to that, that checklist spirituality, then we don't see the the joy that is present in holiness. And if we're not holy here, we won't be joyful here or there. Yeah, we think of, you know, the picture that comes to mind of, you know, someone real pious, like the eagle yeah, monk on the or Muppets. Something. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's just always very yeah. <laughs> disdainful of anyone doing anything yeah. that is not appropriate. Oh, what are you doing? You know, and yeah. we think of holiness as someone who's just angry about all the things that are going on that are wrong and how bad people are who are yeah. not doing what's right. Uh, who wants that? It's just miserable. But as opposed to you know, the infusion of joy uh, that fuels our holiness and abides in our holiness is so yeah. important to understand. Yeah. Um, because uh, that's what holiness is all about. You're actually coming more into harmony with God's ways. Yeah. I mean, more into harmony with uh, who God is and how He's what He's who He's called us to be. And the more we do that, the more we flourish in our mm-hmm. understanding of who He is and our communion. Our communion with Him is far richer in those yeah. moments, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. The holiest people should be the happiest people because God's the author of both. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, what, are there any other hindrances to our? Yeah, holiness? yeah. Another uh, hindrance, uh, and this is uh, an interesting one to me, is that in in circles that are very gospel centered. Which we're a very gospel-centered church. Right? Yeah, we're gonna. We want to rest in the gospel and make it all about the gospel. Um, is that in in a gospel with a gospel-centered approach, you tend to be very uh, leery of um, uh, making sure that there's not confusion between the indicatives in Scripture and the imperatives. The indicatives being what God has done, yeah. and then what we should do or what we are supposed to do. Yeah. And because it's so easy to slip into a lifestyle where we are wanting to earn God's favor uh, through our good works. Yeah. You know, there's good works should flow out of what God has done in us and our effort in walking in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because, well, frankly, I think because we've seen it done wrong so often, it's yeah. very easy to turn our holiness into an idol. Yeah. Uh, to say, I am holy, therefore God owes me. I am holy, therefore I matter. I am holy, or I'm following the rules, therefore uh, I, I have some kind of significance in the kingdom based on what I'm accomplishing. And that is so dangerous that I think we swing too far to the other side to say, oh, no, it's all about what Christ has accomplished for us. I'm only righteous in Christ. Um, and uh, therefore we become very uncomfortable with uh, words like diligence, yeah. Effort and duty—they actually seem almost like bad words. They—they they, they, don't—they don't—they don't seem to jive because we're afraid of all that. And yet, all those words are not just uh, uh, biblical words; they're gospel words. Yeah. Right? We <laughs> we are moved into diligence, duty, and effort. And uh, I like what uh, Jerry—not Jeff Bridges, but Jerry Bridges. <laughs> says on this point, De Young quotes him. He says, No one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in his life. But just as surely, no one will attain it without effort on his own part. God has made it possible for us to walk in holiness, but he has given us the responsibility of doing the walking. Hmm. And so I think a hindrance is that we just focus on, if we only focus on what God has done, we deny the fact that he has given us a new nature, 
that he's uh, that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are empowered by God, as you said, to become his poem, to walk in that. And so he's given us the ability to walk, but we've got to do the walking. There is effort on our part. Yeah. We don't just sit back on a couch waiting for godliness to just happen in us. It requires effort. Yeah. So that's, that's a big hindrance. Uh, what really that does is it just be, becomes a way to be lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's certainly not what we're called to be. Uh, and, and that leads to the fourth uh, hindrance that I want to mention here uh, that uh, De Young uh, uh, teases out in, in his, in his uh, 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 book here is <clears throat> that one of the hindrances, one of the holes in our holiness is that holiness is hard work. It's hard work. It takes a lot of work and effort and focus and toil. Again, not to earn our position, a favorable position in God's eyes, um, or, or to earn our salvation or anything like that, but it's a lot of work to actually walk this thing out. Uh, I like what he, uh, a quote he, uh, uh, that I, uh, I, uh, something he shares that I think was really good, is he says, it's easier to sign a petition protesting man's inhumanity against man than it is to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. That's, wow. That speaks volumes because yeah. we all recognize injustice and we don't yeah. like it. But it's one thing to sign a petition or like it on Facebook and say, I don't like that thing. But to actually um, love our neighbor personally, to love our neighbor as ourself, to walk that out and live that out, that is a lot harder. It requires something of us. It requires diligence. It requires effort. It requires walking out that duty. Duty, And how we do that is something he dives into. Uh, we're not going to get into that in this discussion here, but those are some things that are... Um, so the, there's other hindrances, but those are some big ones that I think uh, get in our way. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I think um, one one thing that I've often seen um, from, from different people, even whether Christian or not, is just the whole idea that any concept of rules is just bad, yeah. right? Any rules are a hindrance to my freedom. They're a hindrance to my freedom choice and therefore any rules should be done away with um, but that's that's simply not that, that's not the biblical picture right yeah. you know one thing that uh, de young um, teases out is basically that if we hate rules then we can't hate rules without hating the rule giver yeah. right we can't yeah. we can't hate the law without hating the law giver um, but to love the law giver is to love the law as well yeah. you see that obviously all through the Psalms you mm -hmm. see that in so many different parts of the Bible is is I love your law I delight in your yeah. law it's my yeah. it's my bread it's my honey, it's sweet to my lips, um, specifically the law, the things that God tells me to do is yeah. good. And I think that if we, if we reframe our um, idea of, of sort of the, you know, the rules, the, uh, the, the imperatives, as it, as it were, I think that we can see really how beautiful they are, right? Yeah. If we are able to reframe our idea of um, the rules that God gives us as he is our creator, this is how the grain of the universe works. This is what God has given to us as a divine gift for our flourishing. Mm -hmm. Why would you not want to do that, right? If, yeah. if somebody came up to you and they said, I have a secret to joy and yeah. peace and strength and wisdom, would you go, screw that, I hate <laughs> rules, right? And you, you go, yeah. no, of course I want, I'm going to do whatever I can to get that. Yeah. And that's what God promises us, right? Mm -hmm. In his instructions and in, in, in his imperatives. So, yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to get carried away into works righteousness, but we 
don't want to be so afraid of that that we don't work either. <laughs> exactly. So why, yeah. why don't you talk yeah. a little bit about, um, so what is the true motivation, right? You mentioned earlier we're a gospel-centered church, and we yeah. are very diligent to be a gospel-centered church. Uh, we've seen abuses on the other side, and, and we believe that this is a, a biblical approach to the Christian yeah. walk. And so how does the gospel play into this? What are some of our gospel motivations behind our holiness, not overshadowing our holiness, but but how do those how do those interlink? How do those puzzle sure. pieces fit together? Well, uh, he mentions two uh, in the book that I think are really good about what how does the gospel motivate us to holiness? One is that it moves us into gratitude. Hmm. It makes us we're we're gracious for what Christ has done. And uh, we not we and so in gratitude we want to walk in holiness, or as we often say, um, we make our obedience our love letter to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not trying to repay a debt, not the Private Ryan kind of thing. Where remember, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Tom Hanks's character grabs Private Ryan as he's dying. He's saved yeah. his life, and he says, "Earn this." Yeah. And Jesus doesn't say, "Earn this." He does it for us, and then out of gratitude to that, we want to. Which is one of the things that uh, causes our pride that gets in the way of so much of our holiness to melt away because you mm-hmm. can't be um, – you can't walk in pride and be a gracious person at the same time to some degree. And so uh, that's one way. We, we, we uh, Out of gratitude for what Christ has done, we move into uh, wanting to grow, a desire to grow in godliness and wanting to please him in all of our thoughts, all of our attitudes, and all of our – uh, actions and words. Actually, one of the things I pray every single day when I have my time of prayer in the morning is, Lord, help my motivations, help my attitudes, help my words and my actions to be pleasing to you. And I'm doing that because I'm so gracious for who he is and what he's done in my life. I want I want to be pleasing to him. So that's one. Another one is that the gospel is what teaches us, uh, it, it tells the truth about who we are. Mm-hmm. Who we are in Christ, we are. Uh, we have been united with Christ, as Ephesians says. We are being seated in heavenly realms. We are seated with Christ. You know, so there's this union where we're in Christ now, and so um, that that's how that happened, and that tells the story of how that happened, and it moves us into wanting to walk in holiness in such a way that we become who we are. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah, trying to become someone for Christ, but Christ has. Uh, caused us to move from death into life, out of darkness into light. And walking in growth and godliness is um, uh, allowing the truth of that reality to uh, be manifested in our lives. Yeah, And that all has to be rooted in the gospel. Yeah, that's really that's good. Yeah, yeah, one, uh, you mentioned that, uh, that, that phrase, um, becoming who you are. Yeah. That's been really pivotal just even in my own personal journey and my own personal um uh, desire for holiness and just my personal walk with Christ is that we're not we're not becoming who we're becoming right God yeah. doesn't you know, love some future version of us sure yeah. he loves us as we are because of Christ what he's given us in Christ and we are now becoming who we are right yeah. and it almost sounds paradoxical but yeah. um, it's just beautiful it's just beautiful right we're living into the identity that's been given to us as a gift yeah. and so yeah. why would we not want to do that yeah good good and so th- those are the motivations the gospel give us. And without that, if uh, any other motivation is, e- if, if you're not, any other motivation that we might uh, respond to to try to walk in greater holiness, a greater degree of godliness, um, if it's not tethered to those two things, you get off in the weeds really quick. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, uh, there are many other motivations 
<laughs> in yeah. addition to that, that are helpful uh, to us uh, in in wanting to walk in godliness, and not just helpful to us in a you know it's not that some author wrote down here's some other motivations. Scripture teaches us, yeah. provides us with a host of motivations uh, that can help us to walk in godliness, and that's something that I want to uh, really. Uh, that, that, that's one of the things in the book that really spoke to me uh, as a preacher who uh, always brings it back to the gospel. Yeah. Um, is to remember that uh, the gospel motivation is the primary one, um, but there's others as well. It's more nuanced than that. Um, and so he actually has three pages of uh, passages <laughs> that he said just scratch the surface of showcasing different motivations uh, that uh, can be helpful in motivating us to godliness. And he says it this way. He sets up these this list this way. He says, Jesus um, has uh, many doses at his disposal. He knows that personalities and sins and situations all vary. So what might be good motivation for holiness in a certain situation with a particular person facing a specific sin may not be the best prescription for someone else in different circumstances. Mm. So what he's saying is that when you become aware of the variety of motivations that do exist in Scripture for why I ought to be holy, why I ought to be godly, is that you have a host of them there that in the moment might be what just what you need to say, I'm going to say no to this and yes to this. You know, no to laziness, yes to devotion. No to uh, this, uh, you know, sexual indulgence and yes to communion, you know, pure communion with God. And so he lists a number of them. Uh, one is that it's right. It's our duty. You know, the end of the matter, uh, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. You know, it's just the idea that... Uh, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> God yeah. said it, so let's do it. You know, uh, you know, wanting to uh, walk in Christ's example, and it says in Ephesians five two, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. It's a motivation of I want to look like Jesus here. You know, motivations about that if we walk in uh, holiness, we walk in greater communion with God. Mm. You know, so. Uh, he lists a bunch of them. Obviously, we're not going to look at uh, any more of those, or I can't look at all of them. But uh, uh, it's important to remember that uh, there's all kinds of good motivations in Scripture for us to uh, uh, walk in godliness, walk in holiness. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And one thing that um, I was reading recently, this article by uh, John Piper talking about this 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 whole idea of gospel motivation and how that intersects with moral imperatives and commands mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And one of the things that um, he was saying that I thought was really cool is that um, one of the ways that the gospel motivates us is that we understand that all of that, every single gospel promise, every um, you know everything that that God empowers us to do is blood bought. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do has been purchased by the blood of Christ. And so we are able to be, you know, imitators of Christ or imitators of Paul or wh whatever those motivations are. We're able to do that um, because that power was purchased by the cross. And so yeah. it's not just that we look back at the cross and go, oh, look at all this awesome stuff Jesus did. Amen. You know, we, we yeah. go, wow, look at the, look at what Jesus did. And he purchased the power for me to be able to walk in that as well. Yeah. And so it was, it was a cool, uh, cool way to tease that out. Yeah. Yeah. I need to remember both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's cut right there. Restart everything. Okay. Pause the timer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. 
hit record and it said stop recording. Oh no! Like, like OBS. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, doing pretty well. We got it six. Never be. Uh, yeah, we got six minutes on the timer. Yeah, and we're and what we have next, I think we could uh, wrap up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just the whole idea of pleasing and then communion. So. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, everything's rolling again. So okay. Yeah, you can just leave audio going. Yep. This awesome. Noah, yeah. is audio speeding. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, we ready? Where were we? Uh, so we're ready to move. You had just said something. Yeah. And so you just uh, want to move into, I finished my thought. So if you just want to yeah. move into the next well, section. Well, who, who spoke last, Noah? Was it? I, I, I think, think I, I may did. have agreed with you. Oh, okay. I spoke and then you were like, yeah. Okay, so I'll, um, I can jump on to... Maybe just ask the general question of, um, was there anything, uh, so, because we really talked about the So can we be pleasing to God? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Say, is there anything else in the book that was, yeah. um, that stood out to you? Good. Okay. <laughs> Would be That's a, good. Wait, let me find my spot here real quick <sighs> so I can turn to the <laughs> page 70. So I'm not looking, fumbling around for it. Yeah. Actually, I, may, I just wanted it in case. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Jeremy's rocking. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> well, that's that's great. That's that's, that's you just <laughs> stupid. Talked. That I just was so good. <laughs> that was, amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, here we go. So is there anything else in the book that uh, stood out to you or was really impactful to you in your walk with Christ? Yeah, one of the things that was just like a salve to me, uh, just, you know, every once in a while you come across these truths that just wash over you and uh, just soothe the soul and motivate you in a, in a unique way. And this is one of those moments where uh, he talked about how we can be pleasing to God. Hmm. We, as his children, can please him. And the reason why this resonated with me is that when you are, are, are a gospel-centered church, one of the mm -hmm. things you're always focusing on is, boy, I was dead. You know, I was spiritually bankrupt. I had no way of uh, even getting to God or certainly no way of pleasing God because of my uh, sinfulness. But it was his good, his, by, by his grace, I was made alive and drawn into uh, um, um into relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And because we focus on that truth, it can be easy for us to feel like, man, can I even please God? I'm just a morally bankrupt, wretched sinner, or wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of sin and death. And while that's all, uh, we, we need to understand that, to understand the nature of grace, at the same time, now that we're in Christ, we can be pleasing to him. Mm. And there's a danger of thinking, and actually it's one of the hindrances to our holiness is saying, is there anything I can do that can really please him? Because man, my, my best attempt at righteousness is like filthy rags. And he actually, uh, it's Isaiah 64, he actually mm -hmm. uh, looks at that scripture and he says uh, that that's not talking about uh, just someone, it, that's not describing someone who's just trying to do such good things for God, who loves God with all their heart and wants to do something that's pleasing to him, that he looks at it and says, filthy rag. He says, that, that's referring to ritual 
um, uh, someone walking in some sort of ritual without a sincere faith. That is displeasing to him. But when we, with full hearts and you know, with gra- gracious hearts who are in love with Jesus and want to do something that's pleasing to him, he delights in that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not as if, you know, it's true. He says that none of our uh, uh, works can ever satisfy God. Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, fully satisfy our, um, our, 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 our salvation, satisfy. It doesn't earn us a place at the table. Only Christ's goodness does that. Only his yeah. perfection does that. But at the same time, even though our efforts can't, don't satisfy the requirement, our efforts are pleasing to him. Yeah. He used this example I thought was funny. He said, imagine a son who, whose mom wanted, the garage was a disaster. And he says, mom, I'm going to organize it for you and I'm going to clean it all up. And so he does just, I mean, it's beautiful. But he put the paint cans on the wrong shelf. She's not, so he, he wasn't perfect in, in doing mm-hmm. it because it wasn't perfectly in line with what she wanted. She's not going to walk into the, good mom is not going to walk into the garage and say, this is worthless in my sight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and if we think of God as that way, thinking, well, I know this is something, but it's really not enough. We yeah. miss out on part of the joy of yeah. being a follower of Jesus, that he delights and he, we, well, our efforts can um, please him. So I think that's an yeah. important, uh, that, that really spoke to me. And I think as we are wanting to grow in godliness and grow in holiness is to know when you're doing that, not yeah. to earn, not to use God to say, if I follow the rules, then you owe me. But just when it is truly our love letter to him, he loves it. He yeah. smiles on that. That's good. Yeah, I think that um, I think the one thing that is so important to remember in this is that God really is a good Father. Yeah, right? He really is. Because I think I think one of the reasons why um, people struggle with that whole concept is maybe they did have a parent who was sure. like that. Maybe sure. they did have a parent that they felt like they could never please. They were never happy no matter how hard they tried. And so they, they import that same attitude yeah. towards the Lord, right? Well, I'm, I'm going to do my best, but in the end, it's just going to be worthless. In the end, I'm going to mess up the paint again, you know, just yeah. like I used to. And so I think that, um, allowing, you know, G- Jesus, he, he took the risk to call God his father and, and, you know, allow that to be such a powerful analogy in the Christian walk. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, sort of redeeming even that term if we need to yeah. and saying and believing that God is a good father. God is, God is pleased when we put an effort, even though we, we know that we won't get it right. Right. And he knows that we won't get it right. He knows mm-hmm. far more about us than we do. Yeah. And so, but he's still, because of Christ, he's still pleased when we put in the effort, when we yeah. work hard. Right. like, like, you know, Paul says, he says, I worked hard, I worked harder mm-hmm. than all of them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't I, it was, it was Christ who worked in me. Yeah. And so realizing that that it's not just us putting in the effort, it's God working through us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we're pleasing to God yeah. because of what God's done for us. Yeah, that God sees those efforts and it matters to him. Mm-hmm. It matters to him. It's he good. delights in that. And that leads into the, the thing I want to close up with is uh, in understanding our motivation uh, for um, uh, our growth and godliness and wanting to be uh, holy wanting to uh, grow mm-hmm. in our holiness, is that uh, it's out of a desire for greater communion with God. Mm. And he ends the book, or, or near the end of the book, he uh, settles in on this, talking about uh, how beautiful our communion with Christ is, and the fact that we can have that. And uh, so our, our desire to walk and grow in godliness is to uh, enhance or um, improve upon the communion that we have with him. We can't change how much he loves us. 
that's infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, but our communion with him can become richer. Mm-hmm. We're united with him uh, in Christ, and that's not something that we can mess with. But our communion can wa- wax and wane. Yeah. And so how do we improve that and grow in that? Well, he, uh, he, he offered actually comically, I love how he does it. He's a really funny writer. He, uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, not, uh, he's not a stand-up comedian, but he, just, he infuses <laughs> humor into uh, his, his writing in a way that I think is really, really fun. But he, he's, he uses this. He, he references two Puritan uh, um, uh, authors from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. uh, this guy named William Law, William Law talked about uh, a motivate. He's trying to offer Christians a motivation on why you ought to pray more, why you ought to have, to have communion. With. And this is what he says: For if he is to be blamed as a slothful drone that rather <laughs> chooses the lazy indulgence of sleep than to perform his proper share of worldly business, how much more is he to be reproached that would rather lie folded up in bed than be raising up his heart to God in acts of praise and adoration? Sleep is such a dull, stupid state of existence that even amongst <laughs> mere animals, we despise them most, which are the most drowsy. (laughs) He therefore that chooses to enlarge the slothful indulgence of sleep rather than be early at his devotions to God, chooses the dullest refreshment of the body before the highest, noblest employment of the soul. And so he reads that and says, how does that motivate you to (laughs) have communion with God? He said that terrifies him about ever hitting the snooze button. Oh yeah, I've I've got a young baby at home, so I guess I'm scared about (laughs) indulging the slothful lack of zeal here. Yeah, Yeah, it's a (laughs) picture of you should be in communion with God uh, yeah. and if you're just if you're sleeping ever then you're doing a, a, a horrible act yeah <laughs> just like those koalas they sleep all the time <laughs> I, I didn't know that they sleep a lot <laughs> they do 22 hours a day wow <laughs> yeah wow I know some people that would love to that eat. <laughs> anyway so he he can, he says how is that for some motivation to walk yeah. in greater communion like okay I better do this or God's gonna think I'm just horrible. As opposed to this, he said, Thomas Goodwin says this, mutual communion is the soul of all true friendship. And a familiar familiar converse with a friend hath the greatest sweetness in it. So besides the common tribute of daily worship you owe to God, take occasion to come into his presence on purpose to have communion with him. This is truly friendly for friendship is most maintained and kept up by visits and these the more free and less occasioned by urgent business or solemnity the more friendly they are mm. so he says the one makes me terrified to hit the snooze button but the other one makes me want to pray yeah and that's what god has invited that's the that's growth in godliness growth in holiness is an invitation from god into greater and richer friendship with him. Mm. When you are close with a friend, uh, you want to do things that are pleasing to them, mm. right? Yeah. Because it enriches your friendship. Certainly in uh, uh, amongst married couples, the yeah. more you can uh, take heed of what the other uh, delights in, and the more you walk in that and serve them, the richer your communion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what this is all about. It's not to just it's follow good. a mere list to avoid some taboos. It's about uh, moving into greater and better communion with the one, the lover of our soul. Mm-hmm. And there's, there, there's no joyous or better place than that. And so uh, my hope is that you read the book, 
because we just teased a couple topics uh, in the book, but it's an excellent, it really is one of my favorite Christian books I've read. It's an excellent, excellent book, well-written and to the point. If you read this, it'll make you uh, want to grow in godliness for all the right reasons. And so I encourage everyone to read it. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for uh, reading the book and putting in the effort to do that and um, just encouraging us with those words. And you can pick up that book on Amazon. You can pick it up wherever books are sold. And also you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts now. And so we encourage you to tune in that way and um, subscribe to us. You can leave us a review or you can always find us on YouTube or Facebook as well and on our website, radiantofcamus.org. Thank you so much for tuning in.